I love that intro. Where <laughs> to go? Ignore all of this technical ah. difficulties. Technical difficulties. Do, do, do. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Nobody's on yet, anyway. podcast of course we have technical difficulties that can't push a button the right way ryan <laughs> Inman, vincent DeSanti, our guest the director Hello, from everybody. never hike alone and never hike alone Two, never hike alone in the snow never hike in the snow and okay uh actor from 13 fanboy and many many other things that we're going to get into in this hour so these are all true true statements all true statements yes all right, yeah. So we we haven't interviewed too many people on here, so we're not very good at it. Just so you know, just a heads up. Hey, we're just having a conversation. Just you know, I'm sure I can. Uh, I'm sure there's there's plenty to talk about uh, with everything coming out and everything in the world of Friday the Thirteenth and just anything. Oh yeah, hell oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll manage. Well, like oh, I yeah. always say, here at the whole damn enchilada podcast, we strive for mediocrity and to yeah. not suck. So we're gonna see if we can get that going. At least there's that. Never <laughs> strive to be the best. Just strive to be the least worst. And you'll be That's awesome. it. That's it. We just want to be in the middle somewhere. We don't want to suck too bad. We we don't want to be the best because then they start talking about us and they're going to expect us to be the best. We, we can't yeah, deal with that. Like, we're, 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 that's too much for us. <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank you first and foremost for uh, taking the time today. I was uh, really excited to hear back from you with uh, mm -hmm. your film coming out next week. Wanted to have you on so we can talk about that. But we got a bunch of stuff to get to before sure. that, which uh, we're going to start with the cliche questions. Uh, what first got you into horror? Yeah, um, what first got you into horror? Um, I mean, I was just one of those kids that grew up with it. Um, you know, I was in New England. The horror aisle at the rental, you know, rental store was always the best one. Uh -huh. Had the coolest yeah, covers, and the Friday the Thirteenth covers were the thing that drew me to them. There was something about the mask. I was drawn exactly. to the mask. I couldn't help but like wonder what was on those tapes. And you know, when I was real young, my parents didn't let me rent them, but then they would rent them, mm. and so I would sneak out sometimes out of my room and I would watch the films from the stairs, or I would be there and I'd be like, "Who is this Jason guy?" And then I grew up in the woods. And so I would be walking around the woods like Jason's out here in the woods. I'd go in the lake. Jason's in the lake. I'm, so <laughs> Jason basically just took over my life. I I became fascinated with the number 13. 
Um, it became like my sports uniform number. I nice. wore it all through athletics as much as I could when it was available. And, um, and I just became obsessed with horror movies. I was Stephen King. I was watching, I, my fa- I love staying up late and watching tales from the crypt oh, and yeah. you know, things oh, like that. Sure. And are you afraid of the dark? Cause I was younger and I would stay up and watch snake and it used to freak me out. And I loved it. I loved being scared. Um, and just through my entire life, I just became a big movie buff. And in college was when saw dropped. And I remember like the moment jigsaw stands up at the end of the movie and being really blown away by not noticing. Oh, wow. yeah, we talked about that a lot on this yeah. show. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, and they were just sort of certain moments that I sort of like that drew me towards filmmaking. And it, I didn't get really into filmmaking until like halfway through college about being like, Oh no, I'm actually going to like make movies. I'm not going to just do journalism or reporting or, you know, documentary. I, I want to make movies. I mean, it, it's just kind of like, I should have known that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it sort of just took off from there. And then I, you know, I moved to LA, um, got a job working in post-production and then I got a job working in animation. And, you know, after doing that for eight years and working in the industry, I wanted to make my own project. And I wanted to work on a Friday the 13th film. They weren't making Friday the 13th film. So I said, I'd, I'd do a fan film because I saw some fan films online that like got like a million views. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I wonder if we could make something good enough. Let's do like a five minute short. I'll build a costume. We'll come up with an idea. Let's do it. And then, you know, we came up with this idea. We tried a couple things that didn't work. And then we came up with this really good idea for a trailer based on some, you know, locations that I found in Big Bear. And in the process of that is how we discovered that there was an abandoned camp in the middle of the San Bernardino National Forest. Um, You know, followed those leads, found the camp, which was like a horror movie in its own sort of like journey of going past like no trespassing signs and all this stuff. Um, And once we saw that camp, this five minute idea, this little sort of like this will be a fun weekend thing to do became what if. And what if it became 10? What if it became 20? What if it became 30 (laughs) minutes? And then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of this journey, we have a 54 minute film that we're, as we're making it, we're not really thinking like anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're just, we just want to make it. We just want to make it as good as possible. Friday the 13th fans have had nothing but bad news since 2010 because they cancel that sequel. They cancel the found footage. They cancel David Bruckner. They cancel Breck, you know, Breck Eisner. Uh, in 2017, we were supposed to get a Friday the 13th that year. Mm-hmm. They can't. CW passed on uh, Sean Cunningham's TV show. Um, and it was just sort of like one letdown after the next. And we were like these, like, you know, go lucky fans that were like, hey, we got this fan film. Like, you guys should check it out. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Come up on Friday the 13th and just drop it in October, you know, October, you know, Friday the 13th in October 2017. And we had no clue that it would have such an impact with the fan base. We knew that like probably a few people would like it. You know what I mean? Like, but mm-hmm. we, I was thinking like 50, 50, there isn't a body count. There isn't any of the sexy things that you think of when you think of a Friday the 13th, we don't got it. We're like, everything. <laughs> that, like basically we threw out the playbook and we're like, we're starting from scratch because we got this one-on-one thing, but the one-on-one aspect of that movie mm-hmm. really became a signature mark. And it was something that hadn't been done before. And, Friday the 13th fans like me who were tired of seeing the same old thing as much as we love the original films it's when you make a new one and you just repeat what the last one did it's it's just the shine really starts to dull and right it's the old motions and what else can we do you know what I mean like what else what else does Jason do and it became an experiment with that and 
you know, getting, you know, involved with Tom Matthews along the way was a big deal. And obviously that catapulted it things a little bit more. But after that, we never really saw any of the of the reception and sort of the way it spread and the fan film boom and all those things. We didn't see that coming. We didn't see that as like the the response to what we were doing. We were just trying to make something cool. And I was trying to put a, a smile on the Friday the 13th fans faces. And so that really came from the joy that I had as a kid going through that aisle, running down the aisle, just excited for a new Friday the 13th film. I wanted to create that for somebody else. And so that was my reward was the fact that there were people who were finally had something fresh to watch and they had something excited to, 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 you know, be a part of. Um, and since then it's been this six, seven year journey that it's just, you know, it's, it's coming to a close soon and it, I'm just sort of reflecting on it all now. Right. And it's, it's been quite a journey. And That's while it was cool. it was way different than the earlier the earlier Friday the Thirteenth films, it, it it did have the feel of the old Friday the Thirteenth films, and it went with them very well. While 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 um doing research for this interview, I decided to go through podcasts because I drive for a lift two three days a week, and then I work at a regular job four or five days a week, and then adds up to like eight or nine days a week, and that's how I work. <laughs> so um while I was driving, I listened to a bunch of interviews that you had done with other podcasts, and um. And just other podcasts that were talking about the film in general, mm-hmm. and a lot of people they, they they range your film third, fourth, fifth, you know, in the in the in the out of the thirteen, they they yeah. include it with the third, you know, the or the twelve movies. Yours would be the thirteenth. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's it's fun. I mean, like you can't. I never thought it would be. Like, I, I honestly like. I knew I could leapfrog like. Jason goes to hell. And like a few other things. <laughs> I figured I well, could get better than Jason X. Speaking, like I figured I could like do something for like the ones that are real obscure films. Maybe the people who really hate New Beginning. I love New Beginning. I we do uh, too. Oh, yeah, Damn enchiladas, baby. Obviously, right? <laughs> you guys know that the band in Never Hike Alone One that plays the Trail Junkies theme song, they're called the Damn Enchiladas. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. You look that's it up awesome. in, the, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the fake band that me and my friends came up with because we were like, oh, we need to come up with this like punk riff. Like, I, I can't great. buy suicidal tendencies. Let's come up with something. Yeah. And then we put it in and we we're like, all right, I'm going to call it the damn enchiladas and name it after Demon. I don't have, I don't have Mike Muir on speed <laughs> dial. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was like, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, I like as soon as I saw the name, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I remember when I asked, I was like, hey, what's the name? And they were like, damn it. I was like, dude, you couldn't have signed me up for a better name podcast in the world. This <laughs> is great. That is awesome. That. Dude, you're on here too with uh, the charter member of the Jason Goes to Hell hate club. That's me. Oh, oh yeah, my God. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to, to Adam's uh, documentary about how to what he went through to make that yeah. movie. Um, there's a lot of interesting tidbits. I do do an interview for it. I don't know how much of it they're going to use, but I definitely mm-hmm. like I cop to being a Jason goes to hell hater. Mm-hmm. So I really <laughs> hope they make me a villain. I, 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 I met I, the, I director, the, the director for that documentary. I met over the weekend, Michael Felsher. Um, his co-host yeah. actually is in the his co-host for his podcast is in the chat room. Says what's up, Kevin? Um, up, but guys? yeah, so uh, but um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that too. I hate Ooh. I hate that I hate that movie so much because Adam is such a nice guy. I know he's yeah, a super nice it's, guy. You know when when I, when I first start when I first watched it as a kid, you know earlier in '93, I liked it, and then I didn't like it. But then when I heard Adam explain all of his thoughts behind it, it didn't help yeah. Ryan's opinion on it. No, 
No. But no, I, mean, I liked it better than. I mean, I see it from the standpoint that it was what he had left to write with versus what he tried to do, which I, I was like, that's the movie I wanted to see. So he wasn't off. It wasn't like he stepped in with the idea that came to the screen. I mean, he got pushed that way and then yeah. he got blamed for it. And so I, <laughs> I totally empathize with him. Um, and, you know, a good friend of mine, Brandon Scott Murphy, who does a Sculpt or Die, very good mm -hmm. effects artist, um, recommend him highly. Uh, he, he's a big Jason goes to hell fan. And he explained it to me from the standpoint of like the production value, the kill, it's all there. And Jason does show up and he does like, you got to like the melty look. You got to like sort of like the taste of like what went into it. Creighton Duke, the, a lot mm -hmm. of the, a lot of the positives of it. Um, it's just that I think for the core Friday, the 13th fans, we want to see Jason and yes. there was no Jason in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's he's definitely there not end. a popular opinion that it's. <laughs> And I mean, it's not a popular opinion that it's, I mean, it, it is that sort of like, but it has a niche audience. And that's the thing I love about Friday the 13th is that Friday the 13th is a franchise made of 12 different slices of pizza. There you and go. Each slice of pizza is for a different type of fan. Different toppings and on each, yeah. Different toppings on each. And, but the thing is, it's like, it's not like we, we all love one slice and we'll yeah. all eat most of the other slices. And then there's a couple where we got to hold our noses. We're <laughs> jamming it down our gullet. But it's it's sort of, you know, that's the flavor of Friday the 13th. And each each slice has its own fan base. And you can sort of follow each one into its own sort of multiverse of yeah. like Jason storytelling, Jason look, Jason acting, um, you know, what happens to the final girls. And that's the thing I love about fan films is that mm -hmm. fan films pick up in a way that the, the franchise never chose to explore which was to really continue with different characters and that's why i love tommy jarvis so much we see him through three different films there's a continuity there there feels like there's a rivalry you know having the chance to continue that and never hike alone and never hike alone too and never hike in the snow is is an extremely big like responsibility but to me that is that's the story I feel like I've been waiting to come back for the wraparound. It feels like this is the sort of person to come back and really put it, put an end to it. Well, I feel absolutely. like all of Tommy is, um, Tommy <laughs> is Friday the 13th, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, mm -hmm. you know, basically. Sure. Cause he's the only one that really wants to come back for more. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like every other final girl and final survivor has no, want or desire to ever see Jason Voorhees again or conjure him or do anything. No, they're totally okay with just getting the hell out of there. But it's Tommy. There's something about that connection with Tommy that that latched on between him and Jason that lasted him through three films. And Tommy's a glutton for punishment. He is he is emotionally broken. He has trauma. He is he is basically conjuring up his own trauma because it's the only way he can deal with it. Mm -hmm. And to explore that from a character standpoint and really sort of like break Tommy out of like just being a you know a typical sort of like horror movie hero, but like making him a real person and kind of seeing a different side of him and seeing him exist within a community, which I think was a really cool aspect of making Never Hike Alone too. Um, and those are the questions I think I think fans feel familiar with Tommy. You know, I think whether it's John Shepard or it's Corey or it's Tom, I feel like we all just feel that sort of like in each movie, we, we, we you know, a lot of kids who grew up watching Friday the 13th connected with that character because we grew up with that character. Oh, for you sure. Know, we all matched his age when he was Corey Feldman age and we understood who he was when he was in his late teens and early 20s. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that's for a lot of the majority of the fan base. You know, that was our hero. Um, and then we see him in Return of the Living Dead, which is also awesome. Yes. Um, so you have that connection. So like, it's really, you know, that's that's sort of the glory of this is that um, if if we had never stepped in, the fans would have never got this. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the studios were never going to bring Tom back or Tommy back. Without at a all, doubt. It, it seems it doesn't. It seems like the rights they are so. Tried like, to. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they, they they haven't. They've. From what I hear, they try to, but there are rights issues. Yes. And even within even within the issues before the the lawsuits came up, that it's tough to sort of put the pieces of a Friday the Thirteenth back together again because so many people own different pieces of the rights, and it's really sort of sad because there's a lot of great story elements that could be brought back in and could be explored by fan films or streaming series and it'll be interesting to see how with a fresh start someone like brian fuller or you know like you know with the recent announcements of blumhouse or whoever comes in and does something with friday the 13th that there is a you know an opportunity to kind of like stick with a thread and I'm just looking forward to seeing like something that's like has like actual continuity to it now. And that was a goal with Never Hike Alone was to really kind of have continuity of story last over all of our projects. So when you put them all together, which is the you know the final plan down the road, that it all flows together as one story that all just kind of meets mm-hmm. at the you know meets in this final sequel. Um, and all of the sort of you know it's not even just what happens in Never Hike Alone, but also repercussions of what happened from the original. You know things and and drawing from the original franchise to tell this story and not just kind of what jason goes to hell does which is just make shit up <laughs> and just start yeah, introducing a bunch of stuff that wasn't in there before that you know when you pack it in it makes sense but it's never been supported by a previous film so it feels right. a little cheap and it before you came fun. on me and ryan were talking about that how your film does no blumhouse. Yeah, right. You see, you see the comments. Okay. Yeah, Brian. Brian Eminizer says no blood. Blumhouse, South Jersey, Jason. Um, but hey, yeah, we were talking about how you did your did the best to uh, make it c- continuous with the, the yeah. original films. And one one thing I noticed too, con- mm-hmm. continuity wise, that you did that they never did before. The look, the mask is the same throughout, and you have you have like months between you know the films, whereas mm-hmm. parts two, three, and four are like. The next day after day after day and he looks yeah, so but different that was in just, all of them and that's just kind of indicative of the of filmmaking in the 80s and the way that independent sort of i mean it was studio but there was an independent spirit to it because those were not high budget movies you were talking about no. you know sub five million dollars sub two three million dollar movies a lot of the time first one was 750 and then it went to like 1.2 and then slowly increased from there yeah and then by the time you get to jason Jason lives, you're, you're talking about five, six million dollars, eight million dollars. Um, yeah. but in 1986, so they became bigger movies. Um, it's just, it's, it's, but it's funny that the every time they made a new movie, the same people didn't come back. It was always a new crew, it was a new director, it was a new effects artist. It was, you know, it was, it went from Baghead to the mask, and then the mask, you know, three, like three and four probably has the best continuity. Yeah. Um, there is the aging factor, which does happen in a um, day in a day because <laughs> they treat it like it's been a year, which is funny because they were in like real time. But that's, I mean, again, and it was just sort of, you know, even the marketing for Friday the 13th over the years, the fact that the people who are working at these studios that are in charge of coming up with the covers for these Blu-rays and the advertisements that are going to run in screens, they can't even get the mask right. Mm. They can't even get the right killer for the right movie. Sometimes Roy ended up on like a Friday the 13th thing and Jason's on the part five and I've seen Jason on the part, part five one. cover in itself. I mean, part five is like my favorite movie, but I hate that mask. It's on the cover. I can't I know. stand it. Oh, you don't like that big Cooper mask? No, because they didn't use it anywhere. They've never used anything like it. Oh, no, I hate it. 
they thought that they were they were doing something from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <They were doing laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that yeah. mask, the mask. You know, yeah, yeah. and so there, I, you know, I feel like as a fan, I love it, and it is what it is, and you can kind of look back at it and laugh. But I mean, it's been the dark. It was the dark sheep of you know the black sheep of, of paramount they didn't treat it very well they didn't like it didn't get much care it got misused a lot it didn't and it supported them I mean, it made you them know there's no way. you know every time you talk about like missing footage and things that never got done and you talk about like the dailies and all that stuff you just hear about like how it all got burned you know it's, what I mean? it's like we you know we had the pristine like copy of the original files and we were able to make this new cut no never it's always like ah there was some work print on a vhs that we found but other like than it, that everything else got trashed it feels like they they treated that franchise like it was a prostitute they just knew it would make money every time they put it on the corner yeah but and they, they didn't feel ashamed and, of it and they didn't see any like longevity to it and they didn't realize that fans were going to really glom onto it and keep oh, yeah. desire those things no doubt you know what I mean? It's like, and and look at it. Like, it's been so infectious as far as like, you know, we make a fan film and all of a sudden, like, you can watch literally like tomorrow. Like, you can literally spend the weekend and not repeat one fan film and just keep oh, going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you might and want just, to, but that's another story. Yeah, you might want to stop <laughs> after a while. Like, yeah, you might want to skip some. But a lot, a sequel? Are, a lot of them are oh good. Oh, my God. But um, <laughs> yeah. to change pace for a minute, Eric was Eric asked, um, do you think uh, rights issues aside, Corey Fulman would come back for a new movie? And of like, course, yeah, he, he said so, but he almost did in 13 Fanboy, which was not necessarily a Friday the 13th movie, but a movie with much Friday the 13th alum. And you yeah. starred in that film. And I wanted to ask you a couple questions about that. Yeah, sure thing. So you being the giant Uber Friday the 13th fan, how was it to be professional and be on set with all of these actors and characters that you grew up watching on the big screen i mean it was just fun i mean i a lot of a lot of the actors that i uh, that i came into it with were really respectful of sort of my journey you know ron sloan being like i think one of like the pioneers in that like very welcoming on set i want it was funny like it was a long 13 fanboy took a long time to get going and we had known that we were both going to be in the movie for a long time and he had reached out to me and said hey man i love your work and i, I can't wait to work with you and then it was like we were waiting for Deb to get ready and we just kind of kept in contact. And it was like we already knew each other before we got there. I had mm -hmm. met CJ before I got there. Um, Kane, I had met a few times. We'd actually like it was funny. I was doing the convention circuits with Never Hike Alone and I'd mm -hmm. always see Kane and Kane. I got to work with on the Friday the 13th video game. Yeah. Um, we had talked a few other times aside from that. Um, and then, you know, I would see him at things and he would be like, Hey, is, is this 13 fanboy thing? Is this happening? Is this really going to happen? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's going to happen. Um, Deb has said this date, that date, you know, I'm ready to go whenever he goes, she goes, he's like, you ready? And I'm like, ready? Yeah, yeah I'm ready. <clears throat> he's like, we got a lot of work to do. And, blah, blah. and I'm like, yeah. And so it was kind of cool. Like it honestly, like it's the feeling that I've been looking for which is when you step up into the professional arena of, you know, even in independent filmmaking where it's mm -hmm. very low budget and indie and we're doing the best with what we got that people look at you as somebody who contributes to the film that you're not just some asshole who walked off the street, who doesn't know their ass from their elbow. And, you know, you're just out there mucking it up because you're green and you don't know what you're doing. But so, when you're recognized as somebody who knows how to play the game and that you're a player yeah. on the field, it's just a very rewarding feeling. And by that point I had already had 15, like 
13, 14 years in the industry, I had worked on films with really big stars and I, I've acted in rooms with JK Simmons. I have, you know, oh, sat in for <laughs> Luke Wilson and done <laughs> reads with, you know, actresses from like network TV shows, you know, to like for, for casting reads, you mm -hmm. know, so I have a built up tolerance for being around people who have achieved a lot with their careers and knowing that at, at the core of it, they're really all just down to earth people who just yeah. happen to work hard and happen to break through. But they're really just like, if you don't treat them like, Oh my God, like what, if you don't worship the ground, they walk on, you just treat them like people as equals that they, they really sort of respect that. I'm and sure. when you're on set and you can do that and you can have that sort of camaraderie and you can see each other as equals, there is, you know, it just becomes a, a really rewarding experience. And then you have to go create art together. And so that's the best part. And I think for me, the best part about 13 fanboy was the fact that I didn't have to direct. I didn't have to produce. I didn't have to do shit, but act and do some stunts and fight and kill. And it was just <laughs> like, and then I get to go back to this Airbnb where Andrew Lady's staying, you know, my best friend from Never Hike Alone. And, mm -hmm. you know, Haley Greenbauer happens to be a really good friend of mine that I know from a director of photography by the name of Ben Meredith, who we worked on a couple of projects together. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, Meg Wilbur, who was our effects artist, who was a friend of a friend who, who covered for Nora and being out there with Nora Hewitt, who eventually became the effects artist for Never Hike Alone. And I mean, Never Hike in the Snow and Never Hike Alone too. And sort of like, just hanging out with a bunch of friends in Rio Doso, New Mexico, which is beautiful. Nice. Um, you know, up in the mountains, you know, having fun, you know, living in this house. It felt like the real world. You know what I mean? We're all <laughs> scrammed to this house for two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time. And I actually didn't even know I was going to be the killer until I got there. Nice. I, was, I was supposed to be the stunt double and I had been grilling, not grilling, but I mean, I was like hitting Deb up like, yo, Deb, who's the killer? Because I want to study, you know, their mm -hmm. previous films. I want to see how they move, you know, what their tone, like how, what's the size difference? Am I going to need to bulk up? Am I going to need to slim down? And she's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And so, like, I'm like, all right, Deb. So, you know, everything that I'm on scene for, where the kill, because the killer used to have a name in the script that was like a producer. Mm. It was just the producer. Right. And so I was like, and I never really, and I never really kind of connected the two. And I knew that I had lines under the mask that I needed to go with, with, you know, actresses on so that's one of the things i wanted to study i was like i want to learn vocal cadence so i can when i'm acting with laura park linking and i have this mask on and i got to do all these lines so she knows something to react to and i'm reacting to her to for her to get the performance that she needs you know you know who it is and so she finally comes over the airbnb while i'm there and she sits down and i'm like all right deb what's the big secret whose is it she's like it's you and i was like <laughs> i was like i have a lot more lines to learn now <laughs> like I gotta learn all this stuff, but she's like, it's gonna be fine because you know, my scenes were spaced out. I usually had like, I would shoot a day and I'd have a day off and I'd shoot a day and I'd have a day off. And really it became, I would learn, I, you know, I knew the story. I would learn the script. I would act out the next day. I'd have a day off. I'd learn the next couple of days. I'd, I'd go and do those. And it was fun. And there was stuff that like, I would say there was one part that got cut out um, that I'm really sad that got cut out where I'm confronting Haley Greenbaugh's character at her um, at her shoot day where I'm like, hey, I need you to come in and cover for Laura because I lost my lead actress and she calls me a scumbag. And so she kind of like blows me off. And as she blows me off, like, I think it's Drew and he's sitting there like eating a sandwich. 
and he's just looking at me. I'm just getting owned. Like, the fuck are you looking at, pretty boy? And I like walk off, and he said something. He's like, "What a dick." <laughs> like, we just had like a nice exchange, but I get it. Like, not everything has to be a comedic beat, and it sort of ruined the moment of right. the fact she goes out and she stabs this woman. Um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but anyway, if you haven't but seen it, it, you need to see it. I, yeah, I, I really yeah, sorry really if I spoiled that. Like, it's me, but hey, it's been out for a while. It's been, on it's been out for a while. You should, you should have seen so, it. Let me say how wild it is to put on Showtime and see yourself uh, right uh, as the first thing up because one, I mean, dead brilliant thirteen in the name. You, it just means that you're going to be right at the top of the list of everything. <laughs> you know what I, mean? um, I didn't get to work with Corey Feldman in it, unfortunately. Uh, I was he there was the great. Day I love that he played yeah, like a character rather than himself. Yeah. Oh my god, he was wild. He was just making <laughs> stuff up as he goes. Um, oh yeah, Brian uh, Vince the Gigolo. Uh, <laughs> Judy Aronson throwing money at me. Oh my god, it was fun. I mean, honestly, but getting to meet Tracy Savage and Judy for that scene that we all did together, mm -hmm. um, that was one of my first scenes that I did. That was like that's where I had to start <laughs> with with the whole thing. And but I I came up with a lot of the trivia. They were like, uh, we just need some like Good Friday trivia or like things to like grill her on. I was like, oh, I got her, and I just came up with stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And we rehearsed that and. It was just fun. I mean, like, again, like I got hired to do a job and nobody ever questioned it. And I was just like, this is great. Like, I'm glad that I can just come in here and do what I need to do um, and do my best to help Deb. And I'm I'm very proud of her for what she went through to, to complete that film. That was a long journey. And she did most of that work by herself. She cut it. She did VFX. She colored it. And she taught herself. You know, all self-taught. So, and, you know, I had, you know, people who say like, you know, I'm getting up there and I don't know if I can become a filmmaker and yada, yada, yada. And like, no, I mean, she started late. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? She got started, I want to say a few years before that, doing a couple of films like by herself. But, you know, that's, that's a big step up. And I know she's got other projects going on and I'm just excited to see what she's got in her future. Yeah, right we, on, were, right we were real bummed when she couldn't make it to Blairstown. Yeah. Guys last year. Yeah, I, yeah, um, May thirteenth yeah. of last, yeah, last year, yeah, before last, right? Some two thousand twenty-two, yeah, May last year. Yeah. yeah, there was some, I'm, there was some stuff going on back then too. Now that yeah. I remember, but um, but yeah, no, it was kind of a bummer. But we've, you know, we've had a chance to screen it a few times, and it's always a good time. And fans seem to love it, and gotten recognized a few times, which is pretty funny. They're like, hey, wait, wait, you're the, you're the guy at thirteen fans. I'm, I'm hoping that someday there's a sequel to it. It, I keep you... saying, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it just because I want to keep pushing it, but I keep saying that one, if it really is me, because it's supposed to be a like, bizarro world of me, if like if I went nuts, I'm yeah. like, listen, like, I'm telling you, first thing I'd wear as a killer is a bulletproof vest. So you got it, like, you got it, I'm either surviving that way or somebody threw out that, like, I, I have a twin. So I'm like, either way. Yeah, who cares? I have a twin. Or maybe I'm like, or maybe I'm like, maybe I left like a series of tapes behind, and I have another accomplice. Or, At least I could be like Jigsaw, or or come back from the dead. You could have a twin with a bulletproof vest. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And then or I sent my twin. I was like, you go out and fight CJ. I'm gonna stay back. You're the fighter. <laughs> and then I stayed back, and I'm like, oh shit, you got yeah. shot. CJ, CJ, even at this age, he's still ripped. I mean, that guy's a giant. He is. I mean, we had fun. I mean, like it was, it was a lot of like. I and CJ's tough too. Like he, he, you know, he's he's tough and he's big, but like he, we were rolling around out there. He definitely like he took some shots. I know his back was hurting him, but he powered through it. And we did the whole thing, and he acted his ass off. And there was at one point where they're like, "All right, you know, Joel, who was a, the producer, he sort of like mm -hmm. was like pseudo uh, stunt designer, fight designer." 
he was like, yeah, I want you to like fish hook him. <laughs> said CJ to me. And he was like, oh, uh, we've been rolling around. Like, I'm like, dude, just fucking do. It. I don't give a shit. You got dirt in your finger or whatever. I grew up in the woods. I used to eat. Right. Like, come on, let's do it. And, you know, he did, and, and we did everything. And, we, you know, it was very, um, we kept it very safe. I can't tell you how many front flips I did down that hillside with like mattresses laid out. It was fun. You know what I mean? We just had a blast doing it. Um, and who get, you know, at the end of that, I walked away from that experience. Like I got to fight two Jasons yeah. and I whoop both their asses <laughs> and I'm going to hold it over the both of them <laughs> the day that they can no longer go to concert. It's bad. Well, I don't know. Just hope they Kane don't bring... would probably whoop my ass for saying that. Well, just hope they don't bring uh, mirrors into the sequel then. <laughs> oh my God. Here we yeah, go. Six, six, two, sixty, two, seven. Yeah, they're yeah. going to have to really kind of write around that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need something. I don't know, quick I, too. He's not, he's not slow what, like the other six six Jason. <laughs> listen, I'm a villain. Fanboy fights dirty. I probably have some pocket sand for mirrors. There you go. That buddy. Blind him. That actually would be a good um, pitch. So, was it was that a blind a, mirror? Was that an actual convention where you guys were shooting, or was it no, no, those smart, those smart sons of whatever. Uh they they set up sort of a fake convention at a theater, which they got some shots on, and then they set that up kind of like they did like a fake convention thing in a small um sort of banquet hall at the local uh hotel like we would but it, it just, looked real legit yeah, yeah I mean, it looked like one of the side rooms it looks like one of the artist rooms you know what i mean but it wasn't at a big one and i think they got some b-roll at a big one um but they didn't but it really focused down for that and they were able to do it and yeah they had a bunch of volunteer background that showed up that day it was it was a good time hell yeah so like at conventions you have people doing cosplay how does it feel to uh See your Jason, your ghost yeah. Jason being cosplayed. I got it. It's real cool, and I'm glad here. that people really. Um, yeah, there he is, Brian. I, I Brian's yeah. doing it. Kaiden Richie. Um, yeah. You know, I see Chuck out there, uh, the director of uh, the My Bloody Valentine. Um, oh yeah, it's a great time movie, right? Yeah, Chuck yeah, does, Chuck does a great. Definitely does a, a great cosplay of it. Um, Jordan Duffy. He ran into the mayor of, of that it. that movie the other day. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was at this convention in Cleveland. Small convention we had. Oh uh, yeah. Um, anyway, the, uh, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. And, and like, I don't know, it, again, like I was trying to do something different, something I wanted to say, like, this is, you know, a modern design for Jason that works again. Well, you you know, don't you know, yeah, everyone's you so take, uh, one of the looks that have already been done because I think that would have hurt you because I think people yeah. would have been like, Oh, he's trying to be this or that's, yeah, you know, it never really fit in like, the old Jason. costumes didn't fit the modern and the modern in the modern movies was sort of too costumey. Mm -hmm. I had to find something that felt natural, something that felt natural, like the originals, but something that felt sort of a little bigger than larger than life that what they were going through in Freddy versus Jason in 2009 with the jacket look. And yeah. I always, felt, I, I, I was somebody who would say like, I hate the jacket but only because it hasn't been it hasn't been executed correctly. And right. I feel like Ghost Jason is the best case scenario for the jacket. Like if you're going to do a jacket, this is about as good as you get. It's basically yeah. like a beefed up Sears work shirt. So, and if you so do that, who, who um who made the costume for the movie? Um I was a combination of uh for this film Jeremy Howard from Horror Effects Designs, uh Jordan Duffrick uh, who also helped out and did some of the additional uh, shirts for like stunt work that we did, like created a bunch of extra stuff for us, pants, boots, all those things. Um, CFX does all of our silicone appliances and mm -hmm. they are the makers of the ghost talk mask. Um, so it's really a combination of those things, but the original build was just me and me mm -hmm. putting, buying stuff off the internet and trying stuff and 
you know, ripping it up. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jonathan, sort of did like a, a rough pass on that jacket, um, taught me how to do it. I did the pants, you know, took all the pieces off the pants, really customized those, the shirts, all that stuff. It was basically just friends who showed me how to how to do it. Um, and the original mask, I did go through see effects through. I, I had a design. I sent it to them. They met me in the middle with sort of something that that would work. Um, sculpted it, gave notes, and they they sent that to me. And you know, they did that first pass paint on it, and they said, "Okay, what do you want to do about chevrons?" And I just was like, um, "I don't know. I just like uh-huh. this. I feel like it's been so long. Yeah, if this mask had chevrons. They washed off or worn off. That's yeah. sort of you know, it's just sort of like everything's decayed. So let me just and plus, we're a fan film. Jason's red, Roy's blue. We're not official. We get nothing. Right. So it was like our blank." our blank look was sort of our fact that we hadn't earned our merit badge as an official entry, Tell which me. was like, a, but it worked but it also looks ghostly and creepy. And like it, it also works from that standpoint. How so, many, how many copies of the mask did you have made? Um, in existence that have been on screen, there have been the first film had three. The second film had three or two. Because we didn't need to do any stunt work with the mask. I think I just had a backup made just in mm-hmm. case. Right. That's what I was. And, yeah. And then There's this no. new film had three masks. Three. We had two stunt masks and we had one. That we And the mask that we use as the hero yeah. has been the hero through all three films. Okay. Cool. And, and the music video. Yeah. So it's been in four productions for us already. Yeah. Um, it just it uh, survived all, all seven years. Masks. See? I, I got... Yeah. Got one of these, mm-hmm. and then it's a. Uh, oh, the oh signed one by one of the sculpt- Tom sculpt- Matthews and yourself. That's awesome. That's I, I, awesome. I got that. I got that. Uh, I ordered it the other day. It hasn't gotten here yet, though. It should be here tomorrow. That's cool. Pretty excited about That's that. Really cool. Add to add to the collection because um I need a Tom Matthews autograph anyway, and I needed a Ghost Jason mask and your, your signature on it. So like that's pretty sweet. <laughs> so um. What do we? What else we got here? Um, doo, 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 doo. So I, I was going through um, your uh, catalog and came across a, a movie you produced. You didn't direct it, but you produced a Pathosis. Yes, dude. I was just like, wow, dude. That, that is that is amazing. I, I shared the shit out of it. I hope people took the ten minutes to watch it because yeah. short short films, I think, are hard to execute because you're usually wanting more. Like. With this movie, though, in only 12 minutes, you had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it was a really cool way to do it. I'd like to see it eventually maybe done as a feature, but I was just like, what the f- <laughs> Definitely a long-term plan with the goal, the director and creator of that film, Austin Boning. Um, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a very gifted uh, director and just effects artist, uh, previs artist. He designs a lot of the camera work that you see in the big Marvel films. Um and, you know, he's been doing it for years. I mean, he worked on the Godzilla movies. He's worked on Avatar movies. He's, you know, nice. a very talented individual. Um, and, you know, we're always here to support, support Austin and, you know, his ventures. He's been working, you know, working behind the scenes for quite a few years. You know, Pathosis made its debut in 2019. The, you know, COVID hit. Um, it was really tough on him and his family. Like he's got two young ones, you know, a wife, a kid, you know, kids and stuff like that. He's got a you know big time job working for the mm-hmm. biggest studios, you know, doing all this stuff. So in the in the background, he's been working on these films um, and original films. And you know, 
it was one of those things where he had been doing that years before prior to that too. And he had saw what I did with Never Hike Alone and was like, man, how did you just find the time? And I said, well, I had help. I have friends. I have, you know, people who, who have my back that we pass things off. Like, you know, somebody's working on something else while I'm working on something. And the collective effort of everyone working together, we're able to do these things. And I said, what, what do you want to do? And he had that script and, you know, credit to our producer, Kyle Klein, who, you know, shepherded that project all the way through pre-production, you know, got it ready for production. It took a year to get it going. We had to raise additional funds to get the eventual location that we got. But, you know, it was a challenge. It wasn't something that we could take Womp Stomp films and put a hockey mask on it and put it online and say, come get more Jason stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like, here's something that we can't even show you what it looks like because we can't afford to make <laughs> you look at it. I mean, Austin did a previs pass of it, but previs isn't real thing. And people don't know how to connect those two dots a lot of the time. So we raised about $10,000 and, you know, at the end of the day, we raised, I think seven to $8,000 on one campaign. And then I did a home video campaign that I raised an additional seven to $8,000. I raised more than that, but out of that money that I raised, we used that to get the location for pathosis. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's it, for me, one of the things I really love to do when I produce is just help people get their vision out there and right. help them. You know, I built these resources. I don't always need the resources because I need to go back to the kitchen and I start need to start, you know, cooking some stuff and coming up right. with something to make. <laughs> so if my people are all sitting around waiting for something to do, well, if my friend has an idea, well, let's put them through the pipeline, you know, let's put them, let's have them meet everybody. Let's have it. Let's have all these things made and have them pull his resources in. And then all of a sudden, Austin pulls his resources in. We add new people to the team. That's how we got producer Brittany Montero. She went from a script supervisor on, you know, pathosis to our, you know, one of our lead producers on Never Hike Alone 2 um, and Never Hike in the Snow and other projects that we're going to have coming forward. So it really is all about the community aspect of it. It's about meeting new people. It's about adding to your teams and growing and going from five people going off into the woods in 2016 to now, you know, hundreds of people that we've worked with over all over the world that have contributed in some way, shape or form and all through word of mouth meeting and working with one another. Right on. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up real quick because I was just so amazed by that movie. I, re I really, really liked it. My daughter, who's 10 years old, we watched Sleepaway Camp, and she she figured out the twist at the end of the movie in the first two minutes of the movie. She mm. also figured out Pathosis. I had her watch it after I seen it, and I, I, Ryan didn't see it yet, so I don't want to get into too much of what happened, but she figured out what happens. And like, the, I'm like, how did you – what? There was nothing to give it away this time. And we, we just met Felissa Rose and we told her about how she figured out that movie. And she's like, how? And we told her, know. Like, you know, there was something about the, like the pigtail holders and stuff. And she <laughs> knew that she was a boy throughout the movie. And she kept telling me, I'm like, how did you figure that out? But anyway, that, I, I, I digress. <laughs> so um, which uh, um, you had um, Tom Matthews in this movie. And I heard that um, you didn't have him early on, you, and you got him after the movie was pretty much done, right? Mm -hmm. And it, you you said that there was supposed to be a whole different ending. Was that ending ever shot? And is a, no. is it available anywhere? It wasn't. No, shot. no, no. We we couldn't uh, we couldn't afford to shoot two endings. It was we okay. had um, I want to say sixty percent of the movie shot when Tom came involved. This was January two thousand seventeen. Then we went out in the spring, finished everything but the ambulance scene, and then we shot the ambulance scene in one night. Okay. Wow. So cool. I heard um, you talking about what the ending was yeah. supposed to be on a podcast, but I didn't know if you uh if you actually no, shot I it. Wish. I was like, that no, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a nice alt ending, but and we had talked about it, but if I had killed Tom, 
I think fans would have not liked the movie. You need him for Jarvis versus Jason. <laughs> I know, right? They would that would have been, you know, that would have been too much. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's a, that's pretty sweet. Um, is there any other alum that you would like to work with in a future film, a future Friday film, or or um any other characters that you might want to bring back that may have died in a Friday film? I know you're big on the continuity, so I don't think that would be a thing you'd want to do, but I mean, I feel like I've gotten really good opportunities to work with different people on different projects. Obviously, I'd love to work with Derek um, just because it's, you know, he's right in, right in the prime and can still do a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I got to work with Kane, but I'd like to work with Kane again. Um, I'd love to work with Tom McLaughlin. Um, you know, that would be a lot of fun. Who else? Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's because, I you know, I got to work with Amy. And I got to work with, with Adrian. Um you know, I think I'd love to work. I mean, if Jennifer Cook would ever come back, I really could have had it. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> I know, I know. That would have been nice. Um, it's the white whale of uh, Friday the 13th autographs right there. Better. <laughs> the only way to get her is to buy $10 million in stock in Celestial Seasonings. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's too bad, but uh, it is what it is. Oh, but, good for um, her, though. Yeah, hey, but I mean, it just sucks that, like, you know, she's got a fan base. They're not you know it's fine like no one's gonna i don't know whatever yeah i know i get it dude <laughs> something to be proud of it's something to be proud of yeah let's see what other questions do we have yeah that's the that's the one like that people ask me too because i collect autographs too from you know people from the fan what's the one that you don't have that you would get and that would be the one even though like people you know of someone living of course yeah yeah so, so um uh, yeah i wish i could have worked with, i wish i could have met betsy i think that that's my biggest regret yeah. i never got to really meet she her. seemed I never like got she'd to be a lot of fun yeah. yeah i never got to meet richard yeah, that would have been really mm. nice i did meet steve i've met um i tom Moore was just there last weekend i should have said hi to him but you know i met cj i met kane obviously um i might meet king prisoner at the end of the month um which would be pretty cool um so i'm, I'm looking to, to meet everybody it's pretty cool right on right on awesome so, um, uh, we here at the whole damn enchilada podcast can be pretty juvenile at times. It's probably a little bit of a juvenile question, but did you have any crushes growing up on any of the Friday girls? Oh, yeah. I mean, Judy Aronson, uh, Amy <laughs> Steele, um, who else? Um, the girl from part two with the, the Mickey Mouse shirt. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh um, my Baker. god. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean Jennifer Cook. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh no, she's really not coming out of retirement. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> the girl from the remake with uh, the stupendous chest. Oh Jesus. Oh, yeah, the perfect uh, nipple placement. I was uh, in my twenties by then I saw it. That was my one, <laughs> that was my one thing about the remake. Well, actually a few few issues with the remake, but everybody, the guys, the girls, everybody was just so pretty. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just doing some other they're podcast talking cartoonish. about it. It's like they just, cast those kids off like a CW show or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was Michael Bay. It was Michael Bay. They yeah, true enough. Him. Yeah, I look like hot Californians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. So, so um, let's just see if I got this here. So I um, if I did this right, this should be we should be oh, able to see your trailer. Oh, cool! If I did this right. Hear it. There it is. Okay, and, 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 um, and we're not muted, so you can hear us. We'll play this and watch it and see it. 
we tried this before. I haven't been able to um, get video to go in like this. this. is the first time we've been able to do this. This is all new to me. We've been doing this podcast for about six months at that. <laughs> Struggling a little bit, but it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, this we got to film last August because we got delayed a year. So I was like, we got to film something this year. Like, if this money just sits in the account, it's like, it's actually going to work. You're going to lose money. Um, so this was sort of a... This was sort of like a, here's how we can spend some of the budget and also make some money back because a teaser is really going to help us raise more money. Oh, yeah. it sounds like yeah, I bet you this one helped for sure. Cause this, this it did. Worked. I mean, it, we, we ended up seeing a big boost after the release of this. Um, I was really excited because we got horror Stevie out and we got to you know, dress him up like Tommy Jarvis. He let us cut the haircut in. Um, and it's just really, I don't know. It was just fun to do it. It was something we could concentrate on and make super atmospheric and not rush. We had a couple days to do it. And it was just, I wish we could work like this all the time. Um, we don't always get that opportunity. Sometimes it's very rushed, but when we get to just work with this much time to craft, like really it's just a whole nother level. I remember seeing this for the first time and thinking like how cool it would be to be at the theater and watching something else and see this trailer. What did I tell you about coming you out here alone? I just wanted to go fishing. Okay, but it's not safe for you to be out here by yourself. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Just, uh, you know, let me know next time. Okay? Okay. I promise. Okay, good. Is it because of Jason? Yeah, this kid really looks like Corey. <laughs> you guys did a great Tommy job did, with that. Where did you hear that name? Up, um, the kids at school. He gave he gave the they perfect said he performance, in the lake. and he gave this performance and that every single down there. time, every single time. Waiting. It's amazing. Nice. <laughs> Waiting for what? And just calmly puts Could it down. Put me down with him. Just did it right. I mean, it was just the way I imagined it. Put that back off, but yeah, so that, that that is pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah um, every good Friday the 13th movie needs a dream sequence. Oh, spoiler, we didn't get to the part where they revealed <laughs> that was a dream sequence, but That's they do it in the trailer. So if you go and watch the trailer and then the the, the face off with uh with Tommy and, and Jason that comes later, yeah, so cool in, in that trailer, that, that is a really cool trailer. Like I said, and I could just see that you know, you sitting down, you got your popcorn, you're about to watch a movie, and then this pops on, and you. People would have lost their freaking minds. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, and it looks great in a the theater. I got to see it when we did Dylan's. Oh, Nightmare. cool. We got to see, um, we got to see it right before that. And it was nice. The, the energy hit the crowd and they were all cheering. So it was like, all right. Like, and that's how, yeah, that's how I pictured it. And at that point I had six weeks to go and we were still cutting the movie and still jumping through the hoops to get it ready. And like, we're still working on it. Like I literally, right before this podcast watched, a pass of final we're not final but i like the four final um vfx and color so mm -hmm. i just gave my final notes on that and that should polish up what's there sound mix is almost done score is almost done they're actually recording live instruments today which is really cool um and ryan just checks in with me i don't have to be there for it um i'll probably go down there to like button it up with him this weekend but you, you got eight days to get everything all the way together then basically like we'll do oh. the 
for it for the film on Sunday and Monday. Um, and then, you know what I mean? Like if, whether it goes up on Tuesday or go, went up two months ago, it's still releasing on Friday. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, you know, our, our big concern is that we have to get, I get the file up. That's not an issue. I just hit play. You know, I can literally do it on my phone now. So mm -hmm. it's not that's a big true. deal to like make it, make it live. It's more about getting it submitted for a DCP because we're doing these screenings and Telluride. Um, that is, you know, we're really looking forward to that. We, we debuted the film in Telluride in 2017. So we're back in 2023 on the first Friday, the 13th in October since the last time we released never yeah, i was just gonna say that how it's like come full circle since the yeah it really is time, serendipitous in a, in, a, in a way which is really kind of special and it's just it's really adding up to be a special weekend it's a special place for me it was a very like it was sort of like my my coming out party in a way um as a director and for people to know who i am and you know i had a really great weekend and i have really good friends that are all going to be there and we're going to see each other and we haven't seen each other in a long time so i'm looking forward to that uh we're also doing screenings um there's one in ottawa in iowa ottawa i think is how you say it you got if you really? are any if you are anywhere near iowa and you can drive there tom matthews is going to be there cool. friday night they're going to watch the ghost cut and then Saturday night, they're going to watch Never Hike Alone 2. And Tom's going to do Q&As. And you're going to be able to watch it with him at this. I think it's called the Pebbly. That's awesome. Um, Auburn, New York, Track Cinema, Friday the 13th. They will be carrying a Never Hike Alone 2. They will be doing basically a private screening that you'll be able to go to, hosted by 13 Gallows Lane. Uh, they will be hosting that there. Um we're also looking at Atomic Monster Weekend in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, we're looking at uh, we're actually uh, in cinema, cinema Salem in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, thank you to Kay uh, over there for this hookup. But they're going to be playing Ghost Cut all month. Nice. And then October 28th, they're going to be playing Freddy versus Jason. And they're going to follow that up with Never Hike Alone 2. So uh, Doug Tate will be there and I will be there. Um, I believe... Someone else will be there as well. Ken Krisinger is supposed to be there, I believe. Um, I believe Ari Lehman might be there. Um, but it's going to be a, a fun time. So um, I know then, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I know Doug Tate was supposed to be in the 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 the, the Never Hike in the Snow. Um, did you did he do anything with this new movie or? Yes, Doug Tate is in. He's one of the main characters. He's a uh, cool. deputy. Ethan Boltman. Oh, yeah, so, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, and, and so one of the cool things is that right. Ethan Boltman is named after one of our backers. Cool. So imagine backing the film. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, use my name in the film. And Doug Tate is deputy Ethan Boltman. You're like, wait, what? So hey, it's a really guy cool. that's been Michael Myers and Jason on screen. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Doug's like, again, he's just, he was just like Ron. He reached out very early on. You know, I didn't, I didn't poke or prod him. He reached out on mm -hmm. his own accord and was like, love what you did. We'd love to work with you one day. He just finished a film called Angel Baby that he made with his beautiful wife. And they are, it's out, I believe, streaming now. Um, or they're looking for distribution. I can't remember if it was streaming or if it has distro, but it's coming out soon. Um, and he worked really, really hard on that. So definitely check that out. I got autographs from almost 20 Jasons, and he's not one of them. I got to get that. Wow. One. Oh, yeah. You got to get that. I, I, know, I just I haven't had the opportunity yet. But uh, one, of the most iconic, one of the most iconic scenes in horror history. Right. I mean, oh, that's, for sure. That's, that's sure. important. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got, I got almost – I got all the main Jasons except for Brooker. I did get Mike yeah. Deluna from three, and um, I'm looking for a Brooker. Obviously, it'll be a second hand, and th those usually run stupid prices. But yeah, yeah. Eventually, I'll get it. I'll get it together. And then I got yourself, who played Jason, on the way <laughs> to add to the collection. But um, yeah, we're we're definitely um, we're we're definitely looking forward to see seeing the film. That's for sure. How, how long is this one? 
Um, we're going to announce the uh, the runtime okay. on Tuesday with the uh, with the trailer. Okay, cool, cool. Um, one other question. I just I just seen. They're, a- they're still working on it, man. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I just figured you know maybe in a ballpark or something. Yeah, we just I got to finish. Um, we just finished the credits. Um, and that's been tacked on. And I watched it full today. There was um. It was like you know, a little little tweaky thing that needs to be done, so it's going to adjust that you know that runtime. Um, I will say this: it's not like super long. It's not like a two and a half hour. Terrifier. Oh no, yeah. It's not like it's not like another edition of Terrifier where we're just going to drag the thing out for five yeah. hours. But like, it's you know it's it again. I think it matches our style. It's pretty punchy. It's pretty you know it's it's not a huge movie, but it's it is a feature. Um, okay. And it you know double digit kills. Um, it's got the you know it's got all the all the ingredients. Um, okay. But well, that's, I, what, I, that's it, what I was kind of getting at. Is it like shorter, yeah, it's like um, never had know, it's snow or more no, closer to the original? No, it's it's longer than the original. Oh, uh, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's longer than the original. Uh, I was and, hoping so. Well, yeah, like yeah, I no, said, I, you know, I, you can get something done shorter. Like that pathosis is only twelve minutes, and it's uh, there. Yeah. I'm telling yeah, you, no, I, I, it is. And there's like a and somebody actually asked a really good question before, which is how much does it cost to do a decent indie film budget? And so. We actually just po- recently posted our Indiegogo because we want to be very transparent with our backers about where mm-hmm. their money goes, how it gets spent, and how it gets divided. And at the beginning of the a beginning of, of a project, you do an estimated budget. It's based on your previous, you know, experience and all of these things, what you got to do. And then you actually go out and make the movie. And things change, you know, scenes yeah. change, ideas change. You know, we added scenes to the movie, we, you know, changed scenes in the movie. I I, I did a big rewrite you know, at, at the end, in the middle of everything that kind of changed a bunch of stuff. And, you know, the, the original project that we bid and put out was it, the budget went up, you know what I mean? Like, so it went from $150,000 or like, basically if we would have went with the original, uh, estimation, you know, we said it was 65% of $150,000 that we were going to use to make never hike alone too. probably like what? $120,000 right there. You can't really like for 120, we probably could have done a solid 45 to 55 minutes with the resources that we were purchasing and renting and putting together and putting all those bodies on the screen and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like all of that stuff probably would have been around then. We pushed it out to about $230,000 that were spent on the physical production of the movie. And that pushed it out to that feature length because we were able to add those extra days. We were able to add, you know, able to go out and shoot the, the preview as a two-day shoot versus a one-day shoot. And so, like, we invested that money in different ways to really sort of elevate the production value. So we were replicating as close as possible what we do when I work on network and studio sets. And that's, an ex- that's expensive. I, I want to say one week not even one week, like it was maybe four or five days, $77,000. Imagine, I mean, and as soon as we get the money, it just starts getting spent. I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars in appliances and effects and stunts and, you know, travel because we got people flying in. We got people who got to stay in hotels. We got people who got to, you know, who we got to rent Airbnbs. We had to rent an entire camp out. You got to feed them too. Yeah. yeah. And so when you look at it, you know, so like recently we crossed $300,000, which is an amazing feat. I mean, the fact that we actually stacked up that much cash, but we actually opened up the the books a little bit further. And we showed people something that we haven't actually raised $305,000. We actually have raised $314,000, but we have paid about fifteen dollars to $16,000 in Indiegogo platform form fees. There's about another ten to 11000 that were in payment processing fees through Indiegogo. So there's a mm-hmm. double fee that you're there. 
refunds have calculated up to now about nine to $10,000 just in refunds for people who it isn't like, Oh, fuck your film. It's that it's more like I ran into some trouble and I really yeah. don't have money to invest in this anymore. I need my money back. And so we've had to take 500 bucks out and give it back to somebody. And that's, you know, what we got to do. That's our responsibility. Right. And you know, so when you're looking at that, you're talking about 35 to $40,000 right there. That's not spent at all on the film. It's just for us to get access to the other 200 and, you know, 70,000 or $60,000 that's left to now make it there. But there's also post-production, which is about 30 to $40,000. Then you've got the stuff that we did to sort of get ahead of the curve on like, oh, you know what? I Let me just order shirts now. Let me order posters now. Let me order, you know, legacy Blu-rays now. Let me get this stuff printed ahead of time so I don't have money sitting at my bank account at the end of the year. Now, speaking of those shirts and yeah. Blu-rays and stuff, do you order that through your website or just through the Indiegogo? Just through the Indiegogo. Everything with okay. Indiegogo is transparent. We can show people. I mean, every now and then somebody can't go through Indiegogo, so we go off to the side to PayPal. Right. Um, and I'll help them out through PayPal, and I just put them on a proprietary list that we keep anyway because once I'm done with an Indiegogo or once I start to get in the process of, of putting uh, orders together, I shift everything over to a Google document that's a much easier to track it combines everybody's orders into one thing um it's much more seamless and then when i have to go and ship labels for day which i do like 100 to 200 packages a day when i start you know picking up steam it's easy for me to just copy and paste addresses in and build packages and go i just get it become like a machine um but you know so it's you know, there's also money that has to be applied to that. And we have a lot, a big home video campaign that we're going to be, that we've already launched. Basically, we just keep repurposing the same campaign because you get to be in, you get to be in demand in Indiegogo. So mm -hmm. the, the campaign has changed. There are new perks up. There's new combinations of things. There's new VHS tapes. There's new posters. Um, you know, we have updated the Jarvis versus Jason to officially confirm that we're going to do red cases for it. So those are available. You don't get the, um, the raffle ticket anymore, but that's dropped the price. Okay. So, you know what I mean? So everything is sort of like dropped in price a little bit because there's no longer a chance to get your name in the credits of the film. And that was part of, you know, part of the cost of why we hiked up the cost there. Now you're just buying the product. So now we'll right. just and that, that's, what I, that's what I'm going to do um, tomorrow when I get paid. I'm going to get on there and grab a t-shirt, grab a Blu-ray and just have yeah, that on. So, and there's, there's different, there's different packages that you can do that are pre-built. And then if you want to do something where you're like, well, listen, I don't need all that. I, I'm not looking to spend that much money, but I'm looking to spend this and I'd like to get these things. We can build you a secret perk. If you just email us at wompstompfilms@gmail.com. Right. I say, what do you want? You want a Blu-ray shirt? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Boom. I'll put that in there, put a little <laughs> bit of a discount on it. And there you go. And then you get exactly what you want without having to deal with Indiegogo sort of clunky add-on features, which ends up adding on different things for you know, like shipping ads on shipping costs and all these different things. So I would just say, come to me if you want to build something um, unique. Right. I'm going to, after we're done here, I'm going to check that out and see, see what's on there. And anybody else watching or listening, uh, you should do the same support people doing good, cool shit. And speaking that's of that, part about this word community. of mouth and word of mouth is yep. definitely the biggest, the biggest ally there for us. And I'm going to, I'm going to use my words now and say this to everyone out there before your first film, I wasn't into fan films. Since yeah. your film, I am very much into fan films. So let's just put it that way. Yeah, I think, I think, you, yeah, a lot. You've done yeah. a lot of um, a, lot, a big service for these people then, that are making these movies because before you, before yeah. you people just figured it's somebody with their freaking phone right. or something clunky. Yeah. And that leads me to yours is looks like a Hollywood production. <laughs> yeah, and that leads me. That leads Great me professional. to. That leads me to my next thought, and I want to say this. 
everybody, when this comes out Friday, don't wait. Watch it right away. Give this guy some fucking views right away. He yeah, and then it. share it. Yeah, and share it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're definitely that, right away. That's definitely our plan for Friday. Yep. Is, uh, to watch that film, maybe maybe watch the other ones on the way over, like the way up to it, like the ghost cut. I seen the ghost cut for the first time while I was doing this. I had seen Hike in the Snow and Never Heck Alone, but I never watched the ghost cut until mm -hmm. uh this past week. The I, ghost I cut is the alone. perfect thing to watch before you watch Never Hike Alone too, because it just it familiarizes you with everything. Right. And you realize these these little details that we've been building it along the wrong way, and you're gonna be along the way, I mean, and you you're going to be rewarded and never hike alone too for paying attention. That is, that is the reward. Is the fact <laughs> that everything there's, everything's being set up. There's things that we've been doing and we've sort of been leaving clues and no one has even come close to guessing anything. Mm. So it's been really nice. And I think once people see that what we're building towards, they're going to be like, Holy shit. And a few people that I've told sort of off air or like, yeah. you know, in passing or like, Hey, this is sort of the theory. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that no one's thought of this. This is so perfect. So yeah. it's been a lot of that. Um, Eric actually asked a follow-up question that I want to get to real quick before we get further down the line. Okay. We did an, uh, Eric, we did an LLC. Uh, he asked about like, do you have to get a specific type of business license to do mm -hmm. films? Uh, you want to get either a sole proprietorship or an LLC, LLC a little bit better, or, you know, depending on if you're doing a partnership, if you're doing a singular single uh, entity, you just, just talk to a, an accountant about it. But either way, what you just don't want to do is you don't want things when you're making a movie tied to your personal name. So, because if something happens on the movie, something goes wrong, you will be personally be liable. If yeah. it's the business, the business can go under, it can go bank, you know, you can do anything with that, yeah. but you're not going to be. Yeah. You could so destroy your credit. Yeah. And to do a good film to answer the film before, like, so you just get an idea. Like, so we spent about $235,000. We got like an hour and, you know, change of material that we've built for Never Hike Alone 2. You know, a studio film, you know, it's five to 10 million for horror, you know, one to two, you know, 1.2 to five, low budget, like, you know, 800 to 1.2. You know, most indies are like between four and six if they're made like real films, but you can make a film for. $10,000 if you make it with your phone and you have a certain kind of angle. There's, It just depends on your ingenuity as a storyteller. Mm. If the, the question is, is not how much money you have, how good of a storyteller you are and how good are you with the pieces you have around us? Because the first Never Hike Alone was made for less than 50 grand. And a lot of that material was made for free. Yeah, It was made for it's just going out with the right camera and doing those things. So if you, if, if you put in the time to spend your money wisely, if you don't buy equipment because you want to be the coolest guy on the block, hey, I got a red. You know what I mean? That's great. I'm glad you got a red. But which one did you get and why did you spend $20,000? Uh, <laughs> you could have rented that thing for $300 and a little bit of insurance. And shot and, for a couple more weeks. <laughs> and shot for a couple weeks and then gave it back and you would have saved a ton of money. Yeah. So, you know, and you still would have got the same results. And maybe you should hire somebody who already has their own camera. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And bring them on because then they have the incentive to use their equipment and they already know how to use it and they're familiar with it. And there's no like, wait a second, this menu is different on the Sony than it is on the Panasonic. <laughs> and I don't know how to get to the shutter speed. And it's like, you're spending there like 20, you know, we did this. You know what I mean? We, we and every minute money. matters. Yeah. Time is money. <laughs> I'm, oh my God, on a set, time is money. That's why the ADs are always so angry because they're in charge of time. They're the master of time. They have to get. <laughs> eight pages done in a day and then you know never hike alone too like uh, you know honestly like we got to access so many different things because of the fans but at the same time it didn't give us that extra like we were 230 around there i think what would have really helped is if we were somewhere around three or four because then i could have added an extra day to each sort of section of shooting that really would have allowed us to work a little bit of a slower pace and maybe even add some more 
know what I mean? But within the, like, I'm not saying like we did a bad job. I'm just saying like, looking back, like it was a very stressful, we barely finished a few days, but we got there and we get it. We got everything. It was just a matter of like, wow, that was challenging. And it had to do a lot with the delays that we faced and a lot of the shortcomings as far as just being an independent production and only having so much manpower. Um, it's a lot like, so when it comes to filmmaking, it's like, it really comes down to time management, money management, people management, and then how good of a storyteller you are and how much of a control of the equipment do you have? Like how mm -hmm. much, how, what's your knowledge? You know what I mean? Like, and who are the people that you surround yourself with? If you surround yourself with a bunch of yes people or people who are just aren't going to give you any guidance, then you're just going to sort of have to figure it out on your own. And that's just, that's, that's the avenue, but it doesn't have to be expensive and you can start with short films. Short films can be much cheaper and you just, and like you said, like with pathosis, yeah. here's the theory between Womp Stomp films, short films. And what I say is what our, when we approach a short film, it's this, we're looking at a three minute film, a six minute film or a 12 minute film. Um, this is usually where we want to want to stick and we want to make a magic trick. We want to turn, uh, we want the turn, the pledge and the prestige. We mm -hmm. want to set something up. We want to make someone go, Ooh, and then we want to make them say, wow. And clap. Yeah. Well, and I did so with that, that one. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, you I think had another couple of shorter films on there that were pretty cool too. Yeah, and you don't want to make it obvious, but you want to be able to catch people yeah. off guard and you gotta just be clever. Mm -hmm. Or you just gotta do something that connects with people. It doesn't always have to be something that makes people go, wow. Sometimes it can be an emotional piece that just leaves you thinking thinking. You know, if you leave a screening with somebody thinking about your movie, you've done your job. Good but, or bad. Good or bad. Right on, right on. So um did you uh you have any other questions here for, for Vince or yeah, I had some like follow-ups earlier, but you guys were just flowing, so I just let it go. <laughs> yeah, I, I go with the flow. Um we're all right in the same age range. So something you uh said in your very first answer like really hit home with me. We're that age of guys, like the last like people that grew up with the video stores, mm -hmm. you know, and just seeing those uh movies on the shelves now and I actually Kind of feel sorry for kids growing up now they'll never really get to experience things no like there's that. nothing like being so physically surrounded by yeah them. you know what i mean maybe honestly this is the sad fucking part about this story is the fact that pretty soon it's going to be vr head goggles that oh. you walk through the virtual thing and you pick the thing off the you know what i mean <laughs> but, it, but it, you're not going to get the smell no the no. smell of the video store and not a blockbuster because you know what everyone oh no no damn it was scum all right, yeah. those people were scum. They made it. They 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 didn't have a credit card to go to Blockbuster. We didn't have a credit card. They were the Netflix of the VHS age because they're yeah. the ones who push out all the mom and pop shops. The mom and pop mm -hmm. shops that had, you know, the curtain in the back and the, the wooden shelves, <laughs> and you know, they didn't have everything, but every mom and pop shop had a couple of films that other ones didn't have. Yeah. Right. One of them carried Arrow, but the other one carried you know full moon and like yep. and so you'd go to the different ones and you'd go find these obscure films the thing about being a horror film a fan back in those days was that it what you didn't have like oh i want to watch giallo films well i just look it up and i'll just go find them all over the platforms no <laughs> it took me years to find out what a giallo film was and then to find like i had to order one off the internet one day and that's how i ended up accessing a whole different avenue but those right. weren't the things that were in my store but they were pockets of the country that got those films and influenced those horror buffs and i was jealous of them because they had access to more material than i did mm. and it really just and i think during that time when it boomed and it started to shift that i started to seek it out but i always was seeking out physical media 
I used to be a physical media collector Damn. and then I just sort of like, I ran out of space and, yeah. and, and I had to start making my own movies. So I, I basically sort of giving off my collection to different people and yeah. kept a few things and they're all in storage right now. And they're, then they're, they're, those are the films that are special to me that defined who I am as a filmmaker. I think I just, uh, I, I just restarted buying Blu-rays and things like that because I like the convenience of just hitting a button on my TV but then sometimes they pull this stuff down and it's like, well, I want to watch this and it's not there. Oh, Ryan, Ryan yeah. fell out. I'm right he was disconnected. Oh, he, oh, he's back. He there he goes. Around. <laughs> and hey, musical, put him with his movie pilot. poster now. That's where he belongs. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, yeah. <laughs> no, like, um, I lost my train of thought now. No, I didn't. <laughs> like one of those things on Instagram, or uh, <laughs> make a, old game make a gift show. out of me, or the old game, or, or the old game shows where the spokesmodels would be like a new car, yeah. a brand new fan yeah. film. Yeah, and like you, like you were saying about the video store. By you, yeah. The only difference that you say you grew up in like in the woods. Yeah. Rick and I grew up in the city, though, so it's a little different. Okay. But other you guys than that, were like was... scared of Candyman and Hellraiser. And... <laughs> well, Candyman, I think, is the it... scariest of all of those guys. Candyman, Tony Todd, man, so good. That movie was terrifying. Yeah, so that movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was also terrifying. Who's Texas, that? The original Texas Chainsaw was also. Oh yeah, well, I love Texas Chainsaw. Those two yeah. movies like really messed me up when I was like I couldn't watch them. They really like scared me. Well, with yeah. the Candyman thing, we always had a similar thing to that legend. You know, go in the bathroom, say somebody's name yeah, five times. Mary, yeah, yeah. So when they what? had this, it was like whoa. And then again, just Tony Todd's voice mm. was. Uh, I love Tony Todd. The brutality, What's... the hook, it was all of it. Yeah. What's your favorite horror franchise besides Friday the Thirteenth? Oh, um, probably, mm, I would say the, the, the living dead series, the okay. Romero dead series. I was a big fan of night of the living dead. One of the first horror movies I see again, you like, you know, I'm, I'm a modern child, so I don't got a house yet. Uh, I just been renting for my entire life because yeah. that's just how it goes when you're a filmmaker. But, um, Every place I go into, the first thing I look is how many windows, how big are the windows, is there enough wood to cover the windows? Can I can I blockade the windows? Are they too low? Are they just going to be able to push right through the glass, or am I going to be able to like get something in front of it? Like everything, how, how can I barricade the door? Is there a basement? And like it's just <laughs> all of those things. Trust me, I'm going to live in in like when I do get a house, window, there's going to be no 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 <laughs> no access to the house on the first floor. There's going to be <laughs> things that raise it's just going to be up it's going to be a blockade on the bottom no windows or if their windows are going to be like razor thin it just lets a little bit of light in um but yeah no I, I, that movie messed me up but i love dawn of the dead um day's okay dawn of the dead's my favorite i like day's it more slow than i like dawn better than night of and then it's just sort of like this you know for the rest of them you know oh there's stacy you know, Stacy Lee in the house. Yeah, she says it's oh, all Stacey. about the mom and pop videos for his best oh, yeah. job she oh, ever my had. God. Yeah, I mean, I wish I would have had the opportunity to work at a mom and pop store. And I, I, honestly, I feel like maybe I should, maybe that should be the thing. We come back with niche, like rental rental houses. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're in one of them little hipster neighborhoods, that would go over, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's still, I mean, there's Vidiots. There's, uh, there's a couple other places in LA too that's pretty cool that they still kind of hang on to it. But it's just, you know, you got to have a market for it. Seems like out there it would work. I think like, where I'm from in Massachusetts would do yeah. it. The New Maybe Bedford like, really has not seen. Probably like Brooklyn too in New York that would work. Yeah, exactly. Too. Like yeah. I would say that. Yeah, that New might Bedford. be like too perfect. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. it probably already is a ton. 
probably are. Run by a guy with a mustache with big curls on the end. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I go to New York to visit every year because I just love the city, but I never leave the city, so I haven't been to Brooklyn in a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, another thing, um, like you're talking about, you were you know surprised by the reception of the first film getting such a big positive you know reception too, and you threw in like oh there's no body count, and that actually got me to thinking even though it was pretty a one V one, you're really not even thinking about that until like the end, you were like, wait a minute, who died? Mm-hmm. You, know? yeah. you don't even think about it. And I, you know what, to be honest with you, if, if the, the two um, paramedics didn't die at the end, I wouldn't have felt disappointed to see no, nobody die. No, not at all. The, the formula became, we said that if we couldn't do kills, we could do stunts mm-hmm. because a lot mm-hmm. of the stunts that we do would have killed previous characters. And so sure. that's, that's the trick is that our character, moves and survives and is tough and yeah, now, he's a final girl and so he's going to survive all those things we're just going to watch a um elongated version of that see now now my thing with that too is uh it didn't even seem too far-fetched either because one this guy's obviously in tremendous shape with what he does you know in the mm-hmm. film being this hiker like ex- super experienced guy and two it's been a long time since jason had killed he'd been dormant he'd out of practice yeah no, and that's a part of it too. Am I, is that am I thinking like, too deeply into that, or is that not like at all? You're, you're right on. You're right on the money. Um, okay. It is exactly what I was going for. The fact that um, that that's what it was. It was just sort of like Jason doesn't really get out much, and a lot of people no. don't go there. <laughs> and Jason avoids Tommy. Um, he doesn't fuck with Tommy. He doesn't need that headache in his life. Um, he, he's learned his lesson there. Like he he knows and. Um, and he knows that Tommy's not afraid of him. And that's what freaks Jason out. And then, I mean, I really feel like Jason is sort of freaked out by Tommy a little bit because he's sort of like, this guy is like unhinged. He's crazier than I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to mess with him. I'm just going to let him go nuts because honestly, like he's the one who, if anything ever happens, he'll be the one who brings me back again because I'll just haunt the shit out of him. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just been a really fun journey telling the ghost Jason story and coming up with like who he is and the relationship with Tommy too. It's just, it, that's such a core thing for me. So I'm, I'm glad that like we were able to expand on it. Hell yeah. Well, we're definitely, like I said, we're definitely looking forward to Friday. Um, any idea of what time it might drop or you don't know? Yeah, yet? it's going to be between, it's going to be late East coast. You know, I, like I said, somebody was like, it, you, do it at, you know, Thursday at midnight. And I'm like, no, I got screenings on Friday, man. Right. Um, I, I honestly, I want to treat this and I, I, you know, I think I have carte blanche too, and I think I've done Absolutely. it. This is an episode of tales from the crypt. Everybody like you're gonna have to stay up late on a Friday uh-huh. after work and it's a Friday the 13th and you're not watching this fucking film in the daylight. No, the other films leading up to it, come home, make yourself a great dinner, make some popcorn, get a big ass soda or get a beer get your feet up get comfy you got to wait a little bit longer yeah go in you know watch the ghost cut you know watch friday the 13th part six watch you know watch a couple old ones you know what i mean have a marathon and then right at the end of it watch the ghost cut and then put on never hike alone two and roll right into that and just sit back and and watch and know that every single thing that happens in that film is because 2750 people got behind this project and raised the money and gave us this opportunity and not a studio influenced it, not a studio changed it, not a studio delayed it. It, it was just the fans doing, doing work. 
And, you know, it's the efforts of a lot of people on my team. It's the efforts of a lot of people who supported the film and who promoted the film and, you know, producers and backers who took it upon themselves to really promote. And I, I've seen you guys out there. I see everybody sharing Troy being like one of like definitely a great example of, of somebody who has been singing our praises. He got to come out and work on the film a little bit. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been a, a pleasure getting to know the fans over the years. And this is the culmination of, you know, six years ago of us asking fans to give us a shot and they gave us the shot of a lifetime to come back and work with Tom Matthews and Vinny Guastafaro and Douglas Tate. And, you know, to give Andrew lady a chance to come back and reprise his role, Anna Campbell chance to come back, reprise her role. Um, and Brian Forrest to come back and help me, you know, tell more of this Jason story and play ghost Jason as my stunt double and, you know, really share the role with me. And we have a shared credit for this film because he's got mm -hmm. so much screen time mm -hmm. because I needed him to be out there so I could be behind camera for a lot of this movie. Not that I didn't get behind there and cause some damage myself, but Brian definitely took on way more of a workload than he has in the past. And he did an amazing job. Um, and then we have an amazing cast. Um, there is a lot of people in this cast and there are some surprises in the cast. Mm. Um, so we have some, some people coming back. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm venturing away from the question, which is what time East coast between 9 PM and 10 PM. Sounds great. And with that our answer, mountain time, our mountain time premiere is 1030 at, in mountain time. Yeah. So I kind of, what I'm going to do is I got to look up the screening times at Telluride horror show. I'm going to see what the previous screening is before us, the one leading into it. And whenever that start time is, that's when I'm going to start never hike alone that way. Cause usually what happens is people go in for a screening at Telluride horror show and then they get out and they get right back in line to go back into the next thing. So as long as those people are in a movie and they're distracted for an hour and a half while everyone else in the world is enjoying Never Hike Alone online, they can go in and get the first theatrical experience um, of DCP version of, of Never Hike Alone, which is, just let me tell you, like, I know 90% of you are watching this damn movie on your phone. Shame on you. Oh, not, not me. We're not going to do or that. Or an iPad. But, you know, smart TVs have YouTube. We're going to be in 4K. This yeah. thing is, has been beautifully colored uh, by Rob Vorn Call and our friends at Collage Montage. Um, you want to get this thing on as big a screen as possible. If you've got a projector, get this thing up on a projector. We lit and we shot and we colored and we treated this thing as if it was shot on film, which is really cool. I just got to watch the treatment of it today, and it's just – it feels like a movie. And it's a lot of fun. Um and announcing the runtime is actually going to be fun for me. It's something that's why I'm saving it because it's sort okay. of just, it's just kind of like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be cool. Um, and, and it's, and I, I don't know. It's just, everything will come out Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, the 10th, we're going to be releasing a trailer. We, we've been, we've been waffling on it. We've been saying no, because we didn't know, but uh, I got to thank the people at Ronin. Um, they're a creative agency. They came in, they love what we do. Dustin fine and his crew, uh, Wayne monk, uh, Jay, uh, Vince, who's going to mix this weekend. Um, John who did the titles for it. When you see this thing on Tuesday, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a reminder for, for fans of not just how far never hike alone has come, but how far Friday the 13th has come. This isn't your normal trailer. This isn't just like, Hey, here's some footage from the film and go. It's okay. sort of like a sort of, how did we get here? You know, and I always used to joke like, hey, every Friday the 13th film buys like 10 minutes in its runtime by playing the previous film. So say kind of like how in seven, right? Yeah, the, I think you're going to like what we're with, doing. Uh, with, with Crazy Ralph in the beginning. The narrating. Walt Gordy narration. Yeah, you know, I, I know that every, he gets a credit for that, but I'm, I'm hearing the word on the street is that that is not Walt Gorney. 
Really? Really? Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And I think Adam Marcus will back me up on that because he's mm-hmm. the one who I believe to me. So that's not everyone thinks that's Walt. It's not Walt. It's so and so because Adam is so connected. He knows I know. It, to me, it never. It didn't really sound like him, but I thought he could have been doing a voice for the. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's an actor and he can do like plenty of voices. Right. Um, but it's it's I don't think it's Walt Corny. I think it's an actual uh, it's a voiceover artist uh, from that time. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where we have a lot of fans that are coming in. You know what I mean? That we mm-hmm. know. That the, there's two thousand, you know, at least you know, at least almost three thousand people that know about it. There's a lot more people that have watched it over the years. I know that. You know, it's going to be on the Dead Meat channel. It's going to be on everybody's channels, and that's going to be great. But. For anybody who's just sort of like, I'm not watching that ghost. I just want impress me with your second movie and I'm not going to go in with knowing anything. Like we wanted to create something that they could eat in three and a half minutes and say, okay, I'm caught up. Right. And so that's really what this trailer is. It's dual purpose. It's to, you know, be a trailer for the film, pump everybody up for the film, but to pump people up for Friday the 13th. And, the, and you know, and I'm going to echo this as well. It's just like never hike alone is sort of, I believe, there's going to be other fan films that are going to come out. It's going to happen, but I feel it's going to close sort of a chapter of fan films where we were the only show in town and next year Peacock's coming out. Yeah. And I think Peacock's going to have to, you know, it's going to have to compete with fan films, but I think it's going to do pretty good because they're going to have money. And I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward for like, this is sort of like, as far as for me anyway, tipping my cap and saying thank you for the last six, seven years. Um, and now it's time for the studios to take over and it's time yeah. for them to pick up where we left off. And, you know, Brian asked about the prequel. Um, there's some things that we're going to release on our, in, our update on Tuesday about what part of our stretch goals we were able to put into the film and what doesn't look like it's a reality. And I'm going to tell everybody right now, I'm sorry, but a prequel is not a reality. I mean, we got, we got 300,000 two weeks before the beginning of the film, you know, and before the film's going to release and everything went into the film and we didn't really think we were going to ever hit 300. So we spent the money on the movie and we improved the real movie, a prequel looking at it now. And after everything, the extra that we had to spend, the stuff that we have penalized and like things were having to wait a year and you know what we, you know, all of those payments things that it would cost another 45, $50,000 to do like a short version of the prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it would cost another, you know, $50,000 to finish Ghost in the Fog. You know, that's something that like we got far, far down the line. We got I was going to bring that. That was one of the questions I had at my page. We gotta, we, so basically what we have right now is we have an animatic. We have something that you can watch and then we'll tell you the whole story. We got voices on it, all that stuff. We did a couple of animation tests, but when we bid out to see how much it was going to be for the animation test and the way people reacted to what we could show last year didn't necessarily match what we needed and support for it. So we used that money to get it as far as we could. We will put that on the Blu-ray to let you see it as it is with the tests and all those things and let you see a bit, a little bit of the process. Um, but we're going to launch a Kickstarter next year. Um, for Ghost in the Fog specifically, sweet. We want to get onto, you know, we want to get that onto basically what will become just like with the Ghost Cut. We're going to do something called Never Hike Alone, the final cut, mm. and that will cool. be our last opportunity to take everything we've ever made, cut it into one fell swoop. And we're not going to do what we did for Ghost Cut, where you know we just did an anthology. We're going to cut something unique together like i'm on the every piece of ounce of money that we raise with that campaign when we do go to do that is going to go towards post-production which is something that we've never really been able to embellish in so i'm talking about having the opportunity to have my editor sit down and like cut this over a series of months work with post-production do vfx for a series of months invest in composition recompose all three films with an orchestra oh sweet wow make this thing friggin huge 
And at the end of it, we'll walk away with a two and a half hour feature film that over the course of six years has cost about $450,000. And then with whatever running we raise there, will probably bring us to about five or six. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about like, what's it take to make a good independent production? Well, we just lowered that in bar to five or $600,000 if we give post-production the, the type of care that it needs. Um, and if we raise more money than we need, we're going to add more scenes that we didn't get to in Never Hike Alone 2 that we would have added some ideas that came up at the last minute. But because our our schedule shifted from April to June into July into August, the bonus stuff was like, well, when do we shoot this? You know what right. I mean? Like this is another 50, 30, $20,000 that needs to go into post. I can't, I can't spend it on this yet. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like we got to let some stuff go. So that will be explained in, in our update on Tuesday about how, you know, we said we were going to do some things and we did those things. We just sort of did them in different places in different ways. And we added certain, and, and I'll talk about it after the film releases about like, Hey, this entire section of the movie, right from this point to this point, wasn't in the original script. We added all this. Like this was all like, we were going to breeze over this because you saw it before, but we actually went back in and we redid a lot of the stuff. So some of the money that was supposed to go towards X, Y, and Z actually went towards this, but you see how we propped up the movie on top of it and also added kills and things like that as well. Um, so it's, you know, we're still double digit kills. Um, we're still, you know, over an hour in runtime. Um, and there's some fun surprises along the way. The effects look amazing. The camera work looks amazing. Um, we have multiple locations, you know, we shoot in the forest, we shoot at the camp, we shoot at a hospital, mm. we shoot on interior hospital sets, exterior hospital sets, um, a police station, which is really cool. Uh, the police station is one of the coolest sets that we have. Right. Uh, not a lot of action goes down there because everything happens at the hospital. The right. original version of Never Hike Alone 2 did have action at the, at the sheriff station, but that was something we had to cut out a long time ago when we stopped pitching to the studios and had to do it as this. So you know, Never Hike Alone 2 is a very good balance between the independent world and the little bit higher independent world. Mm -hmm. I think it's a nice bridge. I think we fall somewhere right in the middle. Um, we did, you know, I think that there will be section of the fan base that will be like, you know, so-and-so only raised so-and-so much money in their movies three hours long. And it's like, yes, yeah, because they know how to tell a fucking It's not story. as good. <laughs> and it's not good. And it doesn't look as good in every no. frame. And you also get the benefit of like most of those productions have volunteer everything. Right. So no one's getting paid. It's, it's a fun time. They, sh they just shoot whatever they can shoot in a span of two weeks. And there's rich people funding a lot of things and like they, being able to put people up and you're not shooting in L.A. Your films are very professional. Like you cannot tell the difference between these no. and a studio film. You really so, can't. And, uh, and in every minute in a Never Hike Alone or Womp Stomp Films production, there's more money on screen than you realize. And oh, there's a lot sure. of things. You can tell. Yeah, and you, you can, can and, that, and that's what we go, and that's what we really strive for. I'm not looking for, to make, you know, two-hour epic movies. I'm looking to make whatever, however long it is, it it is solid material front to back, and it tells the story, and it doesn't wander off and just make shit up just because you wanted to add runtime. Right. Uh, I think one of the bravest things that the guys in Jason Rising did was I remember that they, they were close to being over an hour. I mean, I think they finished at 57 or 58 minutes, but they had a version that was over an hour, but it was padded. You know, and it wasn't they were trying, you know, they weren't doing anything like neglectful mm. or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I said, hey, like you cut these things out. It's under an hour, but it just moves. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I like that movie a lot. 
Yeah. And, and out, out of everything in Never Hike Alone, everything that we actually shot, we only cut one scene out of the whole movie. That's not going to make it into the final cut. And it was only mm -hmm. like a minute long scene. It was very quick, but it was like, we don't need it. Like right. we sort of have this scene that sort of does that and wasn't the best angle, wasn't the best time of day. Let it go. And we, we rushed that, that scene anyway, just to kind of squeeze it in after lunch. Um, so I was like, you know, what? I'm, I don't feel bad about that. But, you know, we, we did come up with some fun stuff along the way. We added extra stuff. I think that, I think that the world of horror is sort of weird. It's like there's di different expectations for different budgets and people say like, Oh, you know, terrifier Two, they raised $250,000 and they made a two hour movie out of it. Well, no, they already had money and they went to go raise $50,000 to do one scene. And they got $250,000 to do that one scene. And so they got to add even more. Oh, so, yeah, so, so it did money? in fact cost more than $250,000 to make yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yes. They already had funding. They were already okay. funded. No. <laughs> Yeah, they tell I, a different people story. People say that I'm like, no, they didn't make that film for $250,000. That's what that, you know, I'm with it. I didn't know any better, but that's what I always thought. Yeah, and so, you know, and so I think it's like it's it the expectations will be there, but again, like we just stand by our product and the fact that like you show me something else that's that's, you know, operating on this level and I'll I'll hang I'll hit them up and I'll be like, "How did you do it?" Mm -hmm. And like there's certain there's already certain people that that like, you know, in our sort of circles that I say, I already know that the solution, the solution is like, yeah, you only raise so much on, on Indiegogo and Kickstarter. But I know that the person who runs your films is a multimillionaire who just pays for everything. Yeah. So your, your budgets are just as high as ours. You just don't tell everybody. And you're not as good <laughs> right, as that. Right, right. So I don't know. I'm just digging into people. No. Because I, I feel like it. But <laughs> you know, you. people talk a lot of shit. So yeah. Hey, <laughs> no, that's cool, man. Because I, I didn't know the sun I didn't is live. setting on my face and making me all like fucking dramatic right now. <laughs> now, I gotta ask you this because you mentioned expectations. The, yeah. When your first film dropped, you really weren't expecting much. And Zero. Everybody pleasant, thought it was gonna suck. Pleasant surprise, you know. Now yeah. this time, now this time, everybody knows who you are. There's expectations. And there's expectations. Now, <laughs> well, how, now I mean, I'm, no, I must ask you this this time around: How bad are you sweating the reviews? Um. I'm not too much sweating the reviews because I've already reviewed it myself and I know <laughs> I know what the flaws are. And it was the same thing with the first movie and the second movie too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, the prequel, I, I knew what the, the problem with the prequel is going to be was because it was a pilot with no season. You know? yeah. And I knew that. And, and honestly, it was the same thing. It was very, it was very disappointing for me to have a bunch of people sat that we didn't have the next thing ready to go because it really just keeps the story going. And, um, and you know, I've already also come to this, like, listen, I love, you know, the films and, and all these different things, but there's always going to be something special about never hike alone one that we'll never be able to live up to because it was that factor that nobody knew who yeah, we were. No one, no one was expecting Tom. Nobody, it was something special, but it never hike alone Two. What we tried to do was just in our own way, make it special in its own way. Because again, Never Hike Alone 1 is a very specific type of story and it's told in a very specific type of way. Never Hike Alone, it never hike, I, now I do what everybody else does. Never Hike Alone, <laughs> no. Um, it was a different formula. It was a different type of film. Some people liked that we went that route. Some people didn't. And, you know, people favor Never Hike Alone 1 over Never Hike in the Snow. Some people love Never Hike in the Snow and think it's better than Never Hike Alone 1 and see, you know, the types of things. And so like, again, it's, different slices of pizza that people are eating, but at least our slices of pizza are pretty similar. 
they just come with a little extra stuff. So there's a little bit more with each one. There's just something a little bit different about it. And I would say that, you know, Never Hike Alone 1 was uh, 127 Hours on the Martian as a Friday the 13th film. Never Hike in the Snow was the beginning of the season. It was the pilot episode of True Detective Crystal Lake. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was meant to be sort of a, poli a police it's procedural. It definitely seemed that way, yeah. Yeah, and I had, I had done two seasons of The Rookie with NBC, so I, I had sort of like, or ABC, and I had sort of like really got the rhythm for storytelling that way, but also was a big fan of True Detective and Breaking Bad and things like that, so I wanted to sort of get into that style of cinematography. Never Hike Alone 2 is sort of a kaiju film. It's two monsters fighting. I mean, it's about Tommy and Jason fighting each other, you know, all film. You know, there's... We probably could have had more scenes with more kills if he didn't keep running into John, Tommy and fighting him and then fighting to a draw and then moving on to the next scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's that aspect from Never Hike Alone in there that sort of we have action scenes over kill scenes. So there's certain scenes like that. Everything builds up to big fights at the end of, of each act. You know, we it's split up into three acts. The, you know, Never Hike Again, Jason Takes Crystal Lake, and the final hike. And... You know, each of those features a Tommy versus Jason showdown. Um, and those are big settings each time. But in between, people are taken out. And in between, people are picked off. And mm -hmm. then sort of like along the way. But Jason's rage builds through the movie, much like Godzilla's rage builds through his movie. So as the movie goes on and he reappears each time, he comes back bigger and stronger and more pissed off each time and creates more damage each time. So it's a fun ride. And it's all taking place in these, these really cool environments. And, um, and then there's the emotional core to it. We're continuing the story of the fact that Diane is still looking for her child because her child is missing. The fact that, you know, Kyle McLeod survived his movie. Does he want to come back for a second one? Does he <laughs> want a round two with Jason? And what has Tommy been doing all this time? How did Tommy find Kyle? Um, who... You know, how did Tommy find Kyle? What happens after the ambulance pulls away? All these questions that have popped up. Yeah. Why doesn't Why doesn't Rick tell people about Jason? What's going on with the police? All these different questions that have been gathering under our videos for the last six years are all going to be answered. And it's all coming down to this. It's all coming to a head. You know what I mean? It's all kind of coming into one place. And all of these characters are going to meet in the middle. And it's going to be a bloodbath. Kind of and sounds then, like you're going to deliver what Halloween didn't with, 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 with and, and Halloween ends with, uh, with Lori and Michael and their final showdown and all this, but that mm -hmm. didn't really go down like yeah. that. It sounds and like you're actually last gonna minute, we're gonna show Tommy, Tommy was the killer the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling this never hike alone ends. Never. <laughs> but right on, right on. And then the final frame is me just going, ha! Ah, <laughs> thanks for the money. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> but, oh my right God, on, right on. But hey, we've been doing this for like an hour and forty minutes. I oh, want to yeah, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on. It's been like one of the best shows we've ever done, aside from the technical difficulties in the beginning. Hey, Looking forward fine. to Friday night. Can't wait. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. Um, everybody, go to um, go to YouTube. Subscribe to Wop Stop Films. Share the video. Check it out on Friday. Have some friends over. Pop some pre popcorn, all good shit. What's that? Pre pre-order your Blu-rays now. The list is gonna grow after Friday. The doing, 13th. I'm doing I'm that. Um, of orders. Doing that first thing in the morning right now. And um, lots of cool new perks too. Lots of cool new stuff. Definitely check out all the the, the campaign's been. It's got a whole new facelift. Definitely go check it out. 
Definitely going to do that. And um, Vincent is going to be on Death Curse Society on Monday, and you can right. get some more of Vincent DeSanti on there. And, yeah, again, man, thanks so much for coming on, and we're going to check out the movie, and uh, we're going to get the fuck out of here, man. All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by and supporting the campaign and the films. Have a wonderful week, uh, one week till Friday the 13th, and the sequel to Never Hike Alone. Thanks. Right on, brother. Have a great day. Thank you. Just want to say bye.